0: So today we will talk about npm interop and the guest here is Thomas Heller. Hi Thomas. Hello. Thomas is the creator of Shadow CLJS. He's an independent software developer and if you like Shadow CLJS and I think it's a game-changing tool when it comes to in- npm interop, you should consider supporting him at the Patreon and there is the link in the show notes so you should check it out. So Thomas, where do we start when it comes to npm interop?
1: So I, th- I think it's best to start with a basic introduction ab- about how JavaScript works in the browser because that's our main target and um, it's where everything started. <laughs> and okay. in, in, in JavaScript or in the browser, the JavaScript is all executed in one shared global scope. So you can split mm-hmm. code into multiple files, but if one file declares var A, and another does as well, they both use the same A and conflict with each other, so things go horribly wrong. Right, so this is the window object, right? Right, window is the, the global object, and then there's document and others. But every v- variable you create, you basically create it on the window object. Mm-hmm. And one way to deal with those conflicts so that you ha- can have code from multiple files that doesn't interfere with each other One solution to this is namespaces. ClojureScript itself is a namespaced language, so it's easy for us to add namespaces, although JavaScript doesn't have a native namespacing system built in. What Richiki decided when he implemented ClojureScript was to, instead of inventing a new namespacing system in JavaScript, was reusing the namespacing system of the Google Clojure compiler or Google Clojure library which is mm-hmm. a large collection of uh, production JavaScript that Google uses in their products like Gmail. And that comes with an optimizing compiler, the Google Closure compiler, which optimizes the JavaScript to make it small and actually usable in the browser.
0: Okay, and so what's the problem by using any, is there any problem by using namespaces in
1: the browser? The problem is that Working with namespaces is pretty tedious. You you always have to namespace-qualify everything, which mm-hmm. is not a problem in ClojureScript because the compiler does that for us. But in JavaScript, it gets quite verbose and quite long names. So the namespacing variant of JavaScript never caught on because it's a bit tedious to write and uh, very error-prone if you forget a namespace or so. So the NPM world or the JavaScript world in general started working with an alternative that didn't actually invent namespaces. They wrapped everything in ifis. An ifi is an immediately invoked function expression. Each function in in JavaScript has its own scope. So each of those functions could have var a and they would not conflict with each other. So this
0: is the function where, at the very end, we just put another pair of parentheses to invoke it,
1: right? Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the problem is uh, with this is that it's all nice to have your own scope and you don't need to have to worry about conflicts, but you still want to use code from other places. So what JavaScript typically uh, typically did is export certain objects would still be exported into the global namespace. So one mm-hmm. one very popular library like jQuery, they right. wrapped everything in in this iffy and then mm-hmm. exported the global jQuery or the dollar sign uh, function. so' right. So it's, so it's mm-hmm. just one thing in the global namespace, although they had many many other different vars. And this, of course, solved the problem of the of the global conflicts, sort of because. You still had to be careful about choosing a name, but this didn't solve the problem at, if, of dependencies. So there was still no way for JavaScript files or dependencies to, uh, to declare what they also needed. So typically in, in, in JavaScript, you would have jQuery plugins. And the way that worked is jQuery was included first in the page. And then the other namespace, uh, the, uh, the other jQuery plugin, and then the other, and then the other. And if you did it in the wrong order, things wouldn't work. So what, what, we, what they needed was a way to declare dependencies. And out of that, there are, uh, several div- different module systems evolved, but the most common one today is CommonJS. That is supported mm-hmm. by uh, or used by uh, NPM on Node and Webpack. And mm-hmm. what CommonJS does is ba- basically emit an implicit uh, ify as a function wrapper, but also provide a name a way to access uh, other dependencies by providing a function called require. So you could require jQuery instead of using the jQuery object directly. You said require jQuery, and the system would figure out what it needed to provide. And the the other dependencies like jQuery would then export the object it wanted the other one to access. So you had basically the module system is a combination of importing code, which is require in CommonJS or in more modern system, it's ECMAScript modules, is import. And then you Mm -hmm. need a way to export things so that other things can see the code you want to expose. And mm-hmm. the the differences here is that you, instead of having one global namespace for everything, you have many smaller isolated scopes that don't need to worry about conflicts. Mm-hmm. And both systems work great. They They both have their pros and cons. And mm-hmm. one of the downsides of the namespace system is that the code can get quite large because you have to repeat the namespace all the time. And mm-hmm. it's... Writing this by hand is not very fun, um, but the the plus side of the namespace system or having just one global scope is that you can always access everything directly if you want to write developer tools, for example. So the, the hot code reloading we have in, in ClojureScript is quite easy mm-hmm. because we just need to manipulate that global scope. We can just replace one function defined in that global scope with another one. So code reloading is really easy. If you have your spread, mm-hmm. your state spread into many smaller scoped functions, that gets much harder, which is why hot reloading in, in, in JavaScript is still so much more complicated to do.
0: Right, so maybe it would be actually good to unpack when you say that everything with namespace needs to be, it's very verbose. Can you just give us like an example, how would that look like in a namespacing system?
1: Right, so in the namespacing system and we have enclosure for example uh, in ClojureScript, script, uh, for example, we have the namespace cijs.core. That namespace mm-hmm. provides most of or basically all of the standard library for script. That namespace, everything in that namespace has to use CIjs core for the variable variables they create. So mm-hmm. you can't just just say var is soj. you have to have to write, CLJS core, CLJS. core. And mm-hmm. writing this code by hands is, is, is yeah, it's, not, it's no fun. And mm-hmm. the file can also get quite large because uh, the CLJS core namespace is 11,000 lines of code, which mm-hmm. generate 38,000 lines of code, of JavaScript code, mm-hmm. and uh, is 1.3 megabyte uh, in size. Mm-hmm. That's not okay for, uh, for regular web apps. It's way too much. But the Google Closure Compiler can take care of that for us.
0: And how does that work with Google Closure Compiler reducing the size? And do we have any numbers? Like, So what does this reduce from what to what?
1: Right. So the, the Google Closure Compiler is an optimizing and type-checking compiler for JavaScript. Uh, we don't care so much about the type-checking type, type uh, part because Closure Script is not typed. But it's mm-hmm. comparable to TypeScript or Flow or other type systems in, uh, in JavaScript. And, mm-hmm. But the optimizing part for us takes any kind of JavaScript and um, minifies it. Or in, uh, in case of uh, the Closure compiler, it has an, an, adi- an additional step called advanced optimizations, which mm-hmm. reduces the, the code even further. So in, mm-hmm. in ClojureScript, we have three optimization modes, or four, um, mm-hmm. which we co- which are where well, the goal is to use the most advanced one, named advanced. But it starts with none, which is basically don't optimize, just use the code directly, which is huge. Mm-hmm. So you have CIJS core is 1.3 megabytes. Mm-hmm. Then you have whitespace, which what the name says just removes whitespace because computers don't need it, it's just for humans. <laughs> and uh, the the output gets a bit smaller but not by much so it's maybe 1.2 megabytes instead of 1.3 then you have simple optimizations which does some very generic javascript optimizations so it local variables can be shortened from a name a human would use like product or anything uh, to a, because the JavaScript engine doesn't care about it, the name of variables. It just needs to be short for, so the browser doesn't have to download all those extra bytes. And mm-hmm. this is pretty much the standard in the JavaScript world. In other systems, it's just called minifying. In, in JavaScript, that would be done by Actify.js or they have other mm-hmm. tools. But it's just making things that can be renamed shorter and removing whitespace on top of it. So the mm-hmm. 1.3 megabyte we have uh, goes maybe down to 130, uh, or goes down to one megabyte, which is then 130 kilobyte GZIP, but it's still one megabyte in the unpacked part, which is still too large. Mm-hmm. It's, it's smaller, but it's still too, too large. And okay. then we come to the advanced optimizations. And advanced optimizations not only rename the locals, but they also flatten the namespaces so if you had cjs.core.assoc the mm-hmm. the compiler, the the engine again doesn't really care what the, what the name is it can just flatten that namespace so that long name just becomes x or y or or some shorter name it doesn't have these this nested part and in addition to that the google closure compiler Will rename long property names. So uh, the ClosureScript compiler generates pretty long property names for protocols and and other stuff, and those are also shortened. And so they not only do we have no namespaces anymore, you also have very, very short properties. And that's an aspect that other JavaScript optimizers don't do, because it's, it's okay. it it breaks some code if you if you. If, you, if the code is not specifically written for it, you have to make some sacrifices. You can't do, uh, you can't write too much dynamic code because the compiler must know all properties uh, that are present or that that exist in the code, so they it can always assign the assign the same name. So if you assign properties dynamically, which some JavaScript does or some normal JavaScript libraries tend to do that doesn't mix too well with advanced optimization, but the advanced optimization are really, really, really advanced. <laughs> and it's, it takes the entire uh, one megabyte of JavaScript that we have in, in just simple optimized uh, CLJS core. So we go from mm-hmm. 1.3 to one megabyte in simple down to mm-hmm. 150 kilobytes in advanced. And hmm. if you that, and if you gzap this, what what you commonly will have, that's 35 kilobytes. And 35 hmm. kilobytes is less than jQuery, for example, what's about jQuery level. And one other hmm. aspect that the advanced optimization does is removing the code that isn't actually used. So if you write something that doesn't actually use anything from CIJS core, it is removed hmm. entirely. So the output then finally is something like five kilobyte, because some code will always be used, but mm-hmm. the, the, the killer argument which makes the Google Closure Compiler so great is that, it, is that it can remove all the code that isn't used.
0: And I think the response or the response, the uh, best practice in the JavaScript ecosystem then is just to create a small file that doesn't have to be loaded since the namespace system, if I could call it like this, is based on the import-export?
1: Right. So in JavaScript, it's, it's, it's a big no to write one big namespace li- or one big file like cljs.core. So instead, mm. the best, best practice is to split the code into multiple smaller files and then only to require what you actually need. So one library suddenly becomes 10 or 100. right? And that's mm. they they are getting some type of tree shaking what they call it or dead code elimination, but it's nowhere near as good as the Google Closure compiler.
0: So now, when we write our Closure script code, we generate the Google Closure compatible JavaScript, and how we can access now all of the other ecosystem of npm in Closure script applications.
1: In the past, the way that is was always done was by including separate script text. So in in the jQuery example. There were you would include jQuery, then you would include the jQuery plugin and another plugin, and then you would include your closure script. And closure script mm-hmm. then had access to the global jQuery object or the dollar function, um, and you could just access that JavaScript directly. But nice. the the problem with this approach is uh, a you had to manually manage the dependencies because you had to write the script text by yourself. And the problem is that uh, we need externs. Externs. uh, The the advanced compilation that the Google Closure compiler does is uh, assumes that it optimizes the whole program, so that that it knows exactly what is in the code that is going to be executed, and can uh, rename everything uh, that it sees and um, strip out the parts that aren't used. But if you if you include other JavaScript, so if it's just included via script tag or any other mean, um, mm-hmm. that code is not processed by the Google Closure compiler. So the advanced compilation would just see a name it didn't recognize and remove it or shorten it. And But mm-hmm. in this case, it can shorten the name because the, the other JavaScript that isn't optimized will still have the old name. So you have, would have the optimized, the advanced optimized code generated by the Google Closure compiler or closure script, mm-hmm. and it would suddenly access a property that was used to used to be a component did mount, and closure just renamed it to x or anything anything right. short, and suddenly everything would break.
0: yeah, in the jQuery example, we could say so instead of having like the method that like add class, so it was dollar sign dot add class, we would have dollar sign x instead right. of at class.
1: Exactly mm-hmm. yes, and to address that problem, the Google uh, the the script compiler introduced a new compiler directive basically uh, named foreign libs, and what mm-hmm. foreign libs allowed you to do is include JavaScript directly. So instead of having a separate uh, script tag you had to add to the HTML you could tell the compiler to include an extra JavaScript file. And mm-hmm. in combination with this, you could also, say, uh, bundle the foreign lib with externs. So externs tell the Google Closure compiler about the external names it doesn't see during the compilation and shouldn't rename. So if the mm-hmm. externs included uh, uh, the name at class, it would not rename that... Function and leave it as is. So the the externs are required for all code that is not included in the advanced optimization compilation. Mm-hmm. And what foreign libs is basically a way to take a JavaScript file and bundle it with externs, so that the compiler can include the JavaScript in the final output file and also pass the externs to the Google Closure Compiler during compilation so that it doesn't rename this. And out of this, uh, because you still had to create the externs file manually, you still had to create the JavaScript file manually. Out of this, the community created the cljsjs package manager, basically. So then this would be packages that took common JavaScript libraries like jQuery or React and bundled them with generated or sometimes handwritten externs for uh, those libraries. So you could just, instead of having to manually create JavaScript files and externs, you could just say, uh, add your cljsjs.react to your dependencies, and the compiler would then know how to include it in the build automatically.
0: Mm-hmm. When you mention common JS, you mean like the npm ecosystem. So it will be... Like a, another package manager with those additional information.
1: Right. Cljs.js yes, basically is built on top of Maven, or closures in this case, uh, which is just a Maven repository, but um, Maven is a, dep- is a dependency manager or, uh, we use for closure and closure script. And it's just another pack- package manager, just like NPM. And mm-hmm. the CLJSJS yes, just took packages from NPM and mm-hmm put them into JAR files, which are, which are zip files, and provided the foreign lib information. So it, it would just take the file from NPM, then add the externs file and a depth CIJS file, which, which the compiler would then read and extract the necessary information. But you don't no longer had to manually deal with getting things of NPM and include them in your page somehow. That was all automated. Are there any problems
0: with managing CLJS.js? js, JS? Uh, So
1: the, the problem with CLJS.js is that it's basically a mirror of NPM. Um, it's not an automated mirror, it's something someone has to do. So um, it doesn't it provide access to all of NPM, it just provides to a few packages. And those packages have to be updated regularly. So if a new release on npm is released, someone has to go into the CLJS JS repo and do the update there as well. So it's so it's manually created, manually curated repositories. Right. Uh, I think you, uh, the the main contributor or author of CLJS, wrote a few bots that uh, automate some of these aspects, but. The menu, the packages had someone had still to create, had still to uh, create them and then maintain them over time. And oftentimes, Mm. people would just create the version they needed right now, it worked for their product, and nobody would update it. Another problem with CLJS.js is that they are rebundled packages. So if a package that is in uh, that is taken from NPM has any dependencies itself, those dependencies will be included in the, in the bundle if they are not properly uh, bundled as well. So it, it was a problem uh, with a few libraries that would, if you, if you take the material, material, re, material UI React library, for example, that included React. So you had the React that was provided by the Material UI, but you also had the other React, and um, that that problem was fixed, and the the dependency was made uh, was removed so that it didn't include it twice. But it's a common problem that that especially the JavaScript libraries, which have oftentimes many dependencies, that you just miss one. So you would include lodash twice or jQuery twice. Mm-hmm. So JavaScript libraries will just included multiple times and that's the problem if you use many NPM libraries. If you just, well, if you use many CLJS, JS libraries. If you just use React and React DOM, it's perfect. It's not, not a problem. But if you started using more, it kind of got out of hand. And nowadays, the recommended way instead of using CLJS, JS, is using Webpack directly. So mm-hmm. instead of having many smaller packages of CLJS.js, you would create one foreign dip kind of manually, but use just Webpack to, to generate it. And Webpack provided direct access to NPM. So you didn't have mm-hmm. to you do don't have to worry about CLJS.js being out of date or just missing packages or having no access to them. And Webpack just provided an, an easy way to uh, get access to all of NPM at the price of losing access to the generated externs. So the CLJS JS always bundled yeah. the externs with the package, but if you use Webpack, those are gone. Those are no, no, right. So they're no, no, no longer accessible.
0: So now we have the two build tools, if I could put it this way, or two minification tools.
1: Right, that as well. You, you have, you have mm-hmm. the Webpack tool take, uh, dealing with the JavaScript, and what the closure script from compiler sees from that is just one final JavaScript that it will that it will include before the closure script output. It's the same as having two separate script tags, but the closure script compiler just lets you uh, import that automatically, so you don't have to do two script tags. You have one script tag that includes all the code, but the mm-hmm. closure script compiler sees nothing, uh, sees only the globals that the Webpack part creates and the Webpack part knows nothing about ClosedScript. It can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So they are two completely separate and you have to run Webpack. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, but there is, I think there was one more thing uh, called npm-deps. Right, Uh,
1: npm-deps was added as an experiment, I would call it. If how things would look if we... Instead of having the foreign libs where we have code that the closure compiler doesn't see, we mm-hmm. teach the compiler to import code directly from NPM and run it through advanced compilation. And that's what the NPM deps uh, Compiler Options did or does. It takes the code directly from NPM and runs, this, uh, runs it through the Google Clojure compiler advanced optimizations which, Mm -hmm. in an ideal world, would get rid of the need for externs. Since all the code is then processed by Google Closure, we don't need to worry about code it doesn't see. So externs would go away. But the problem is that there are so many different styles of JavaScript um, on NPM and so many dynamic types of JavaScript on on NPM that are... Aren't compatible with uh, advanced optimizations because we need the code to be statically analyzable. And if you do dynamic things like creating properties dynamically or, or that kind of stuff, then the advanced optimization breaks the code. So the problem really is that if you don't, if you are not careful with the code you write, the code breaks. And mm-hmm. a lot of code from npm breaks. So in my own experience, like. 90% of the libraries I try to use just didn't work at all if, if running through the advanced Mm-hmm.
0: But I think the idea here is if the NPM ecosystem or JavaScript ecosystem standardized on a certain like module, like the ES6 modules, I think in the long run, this would be something that we'll be able to use, right?
1: Yes. ES6, the, the, the module system that ES6 provides with import and export is much stricter about the type of code you can write. And mm-hmm. you can still break it easily, uh, the advanced compilation. But the so you can't create properties dynamically. That's that's one thing. And you can't mix styles. You can't uh, at one place use a string property and in another place use dot thing. Uh, that doesn't work. You need to be consistent with the style. So I'm right. I'm not too positive that is ever going to work. The, the the chances are going up dramatically with, with ES6 code, but if the JavaScript isn't careful or isn't aware of being optimized by the Google Closure Compiler, then it's still easy to break. So I'm not too positive that the NPN depths is ever going to be reliable. So you, right now, it works for a few select packages, but often requires manual tuning or still adding externs for the things that we know are dynamically generated. So the it's kind of hit or miss and easy to break.
0: All right. So just summarizing all of this. So we started with the script tags, then we had the externs, like the foreign libs, the CLJS JS, and now like we talk about the web pack. And I think some of these steps made you to actually create the shadow
1: CLJS. So shadow CLJS is a build tool for scripts that I created that basically got rid of all the annoyances. I didn't want to deal with another back, a build tool. I didn't want to deal with Webpack. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing what Webpack provided directly in uh, in the compiler was much easier and also provided a way to directly access um, all the JavaScript. So ShadowCLJS will read. M- could actually be used as a build tool for for just JavaScript. But it reads all the JavaScript directly from NPM and processes it in in a way that's very similar to Webpack. So it doesn't run the code through advanced advanced optimizations. It just does Mm -hmm. simple optimizations, which is very similar to what Webpack would do. And by processing, since we process all the, the JavaScript, we can extract way more information about that JavaScript. So basically, we get also get rid of the externs. We, we don't need, in, in most cases, we don't need externs at all. Sometimes you need a manual type-in, but in most cases, it just works and we don't need to worry about it at all. And we get get access to all of npm. So basically, basically all packages work.
0: So just to summarize, so, so shadow cljs is a build tool that takes all of the things in the node underscore modules directory yes. and runs them through the simple optimization. Mm-hmm. And then all of the codes that we write as a closure script developers would be run through advanced. Yes. And then it just automates all of that just as well, so automates also some of the steps that we also have to configure with the webpack.
1: Right. Uh, it's it's really just it's it's very similar to to what Webpack would do, just without Webpack. And okay. the, the when we when the when uses Webpack, we use, we lose access to the externs. And but since we process the JavaScript, we can uh, um, we can generate those easily. And it's it's really just about removing the other parts that are uh, annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And is there any moment where we will still need externs at this point?
1: The JavaScript processing that Shadow CLJS does has mm-hmm. the same problems with dynamic properties. So if a property isn't mentioned in the code anywhere because it's just generated by some string uh, magic anywhere, we, we still don't know what that name is. But externs, um, so the, the externs in uh, CLJS.js, for example, were oftentimes generated and included way too many names because not all names we are going to use. If, there, if a class export has 10 properties, but we are only going to use one, we don't need the other nine. And the chances of not needing properties are really good, really high. And it's just for some properties that are dynamically generated. We sometimes... We we'll get a compiler warning because in ClojureScript added uh, um, externs inference, with uh, which got rid of most of the problems, anyways. Uh, but Shadow JS can do a bit more because it uh, provide, it actually processed all the JS as well. So mm-hmm. you will get a compiler warning if something might get renamed, but sh- maybe shouldn't be. You just turn off, uh, turn on inter externs, and the whole problem usually just goes away.
0: Just to summarize everything what we discussed, to get an int, uh, to understand the interop between Closure Script and JavaScript, first we also need to understand a bit how the Google Closure works. That it renames also the properties in advanced compilation, which breaks some of the code that it doesn't see because it's a whole program optimizer. Mm-hmm. And to fight this problem, we had the externs, we have the foreign libs, the CLJS JS, and now we're talking about the webpack. And more or less, most of the steps has been automized in the shadow CLJS build tool so that we don't have to worry about all of those manual steps.
1: Exactly, yeah. So I, in, in my own history, uh, I just wanted to get rid of the manual parts and shadow CLJS just automates that.
0: That's yeah, you know, when I, first, uh, show, uh, when I first saw ShadowCLJS, I thought it's like the second implementation of ClojureScript. And I think the name was a bit misleading, but I think after this episode, everybody will know that ShadowCLJS is just a build tool that will help you to manage all of your NPM dependencies. Right, yeah.
1: And as, as I said before, ShadowCLJS nowadays is a build tool for ClojureScript, but it's also quite capable of just building JavaScript projects. So it's built for ClojureScript and JavaScript.
0: Here we go. All right, Thomas, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. And talk to you next time. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or any other platform you're listening to. You can share it on social media with your friends. You can blog about it, discuss it on your own podcast, and you can support it directly. By buying my video courses and learning ClojureScript and Clojure at my website, jacekshe.com that's j-a-c-k-s-c-h-a-e dot thank you for your support of this show